Welcome to the Startup Help Desk, your source to answers about questions about building businesses, starting businesses, and the meaning of life. We are all experienced founders here on the panel, people who have built businesses, sold businesses, invested in hundreds, if not thousands of companies. And our goal is to share our hard-earned lessons with you and answer questions submitted by founders just like you. My name is Sean Burns. I've been a founder of companies for about 20 years, companies like Flurry and Outlier.ai. I've been an investor and advisor of countless companies over the last 10 to 15 years. And I am joined, as always, here on the Startup Help Desk by Ash and Nick. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash Rust. I'm a pre-seed investor based in San Francisco. I mostly invest in B2B companies based in the US, UK, and Canada through a fund I started called Sterling Road. I've also worked at places like Trinity Ventures and Bullpen Capital as an advisor. Before investing, I was an entrepreneur myself, most notably an early employee at the social media company Clout, as well as the co-founder and CEO of SendUp. These days, I spend most of my time coaching founders and have helped more than 1,500 startups over the years. Hey, this is Nick Melionis. I am co-founder and CEO of a startup called Navi. We help people learn innovation skills, solve mission-critical problems, and bring new ideas to life. I've supported hundreds of folks on their startup quests, and I'm excited to get into our questions for today. And speaking of questions, remember, every question we answer is submitted by a founder just like you on either our website, which is thestartuphelpdesk.com, or on Twitter, slash X, slash whatever Elon wants to call it, thestartuphd. So if you have a question, please submit it. The more questions we get, the more episodes we get to make, and we do love making our episodes. So submit those questions early and, and often. We're getting old. It's tough to find new hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> no one else will talk to us, and so this is our only chance. Um, today, all of our questions are about board management. So if you have investors, you have a board. Even if you don't have investors, you probably have a board. And the board's job is to help oversee the company. And as a CEO, as a founder, you spend a lot of time working with the board. Often people don't think about board management. They think about being subjected to the board. But the reality is, you know, your investors and your board are people that are part of your company and managing them as well as getting their feedback is an important part of the journey. So all these questions are about board management. Hopefully we can share some experience. All of us have stories and those will come out, I have no doubt. So Ash and Nick, here's our first question about board management. Um, my board seems disengaged during board meetings. They're not talking much or asking questions. They don't respond to any of my emails. What is going on? If your board is disengaged, the hard truth is that means you're not interesting enough for some reason, either because you're not growing fast enough to be exciting, so they've written you off, or they have bigger problems at their own house, right? Maybe their fund is collapsing or you know, they're dealing with a bunch of problems from their investors. And so that's why they're distracted. I think the way you resolve this is by going back to the old cliche of the board is not there to ask questions. They work for you. They work for the company. So you're the CEO, get them on the board call, get them in the board meetings and give them stuff to do. Show them the most interesting problems that you're facing. Give them a stake in that resolution. Ask for their feedback. And that has a reasonable chance of improving their engagement. It's not going to be a hundred percent because you know many board members are super precious and you know they're just struggling to get away from Milan this year. But in general, people who are professionals uh, will recognize the call to arms and will hopefully uh, start to engage more. And do you think it's a quality of the food at board meetings, Ash, as a factor, or not so much? <laughs> I think sandwiches is always a safe bet. But you're going to struggle to beat the macaroons in the south of France. <laughs> <laughs> Some oh, fantastic so board meetings right there. Yeah, that's great. 
These aren't the board meetings, brother. These are just the phone calls. <laughs> what do you I don't know there? if I've ever been on a board call with a European VC that has not told me where they are currently traveling to or from. And it's definitely <laughs> like a dream city. It's 100% of the time. Love you all, by the way, folks, if you're listening. Oh, that's fantastic. That's so good. Well, I'll approach it from the perspective of, let's say you're just getting started with your board meeting. So you're trying to onboard your board effectively. Number one, make it easy for them to contribute. As Ash mentioned, ultimately they work for the company. And so if you've got a talented board that is motivated to achieve a fantastic goal for your company, i.e. bring this company to a fantastic scale and achieve great outcomes, then you want to give them the right channels to be able to contribute. The way you can do that is you got to approach it from two angles. One is being very transparent about the obstacles that you want to be able to overcome. And the second piece is if there are things that are working and you're looking for them to add more fuel or open additional doors, then make sure it's abundantly clear what they can do to support those initiatives. And then the last piece of this, so much of this is the interpersonal relationship management. You want to make sure that you've just got this established relationship with your board and their individuals. And so find ways to talk to them outside of the board meeting. Right, like sailing. If it involves (laughs) sailing, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, you got to make sure you're talking to users though along the way. So sailing could be disruptive when it, as it results in that. I, uh, but, yeah, find ways <laughs> to talk to them. <laughs> I'm curious. So I have I, I, I have a personal belief, this is my opinion, that many investors and many companies approach board meetings like a status meeting where the company's job is to report what's going on to the board. I, however, have always approached them like, like working sessions. I'm like, so you can report status over email and documents the best use of the board meeting time is a working session. We're interactive. We're talking about problems. We're looking at solutions. What do you guys think? You've been in a lot of board meetings. Is it is it supposed to be a status meeting? Should it be a working session, a combination of the two? Ground the foundation of the board meeting and what kind of decisions need to be made. If you have a good understanding about a decision that needs to be made, i.e. we need to decide on a way to prioritize one of three items, or we need to decide how to pursue our next avenue for growth. If you use the foundation of the board meeting on a decision that needs to be made, it turns into that working type of session. And then, Sean, to your point, the status update type of things, those can be delivered by way of email and uh, asynchronously. I agree on doing status updates via email. I think there is a danger with working sessions that a lot of VCs want to sound real smart. (laughs) And they want to sound real smart in front of the other people that are on the board who are other investors or, you know, up and coming executives, et cetera. And um, sometimes that can, that can hinder progress. Like you just, you know, you may want a working session around the product, but to be frank, you should not be taking product advice from your VC. (laughs) I I actually, I think that's probably the the thing I have agreed with you the most over the many years. You should not take product advice from your investors. Is we should get mugs that say that and sell them on the uh, mm-hmm. the podcast website. That is that is a thousand percent true. And, and unless, to be clear, your company focuses on luxury vacations in Europe or selling yachts, in which case I think they actually would have a lot to say about the product. <laughs> you got some momentum behind that idea right there. That's good. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, okay. Weather gauge, I think, is what you're supposed to say in sailing speak, Nick. <laughs> uh, it shocks no one that I don't know sailing speak. Okay, Ash, what else is on our question <laughs> queue for today? All right, question number two. I spoke to one of my board members after a meeting, and they told me that we need to fire our new VP of sales. I think the VP of sales is doing well. So how do I tell them where to stick it? That is good. Well, ultimately, you don't want to be reactive in this manner. You have a perspective about the situation. The board member has a perspective too. You're at odds. And so you don't want to respond by just immediately infusing your own perspective and saying, this is how we're moving forward. Ultimately, they may have unearthed some problem or opportunity and so ask some questions before responding. Figure out what's their motivation. Have they identified some issue, i.e. is the company not growing fast enough? Or is there some other potential problem with this individual? Start there. Of course, share your perspective and use data to back it up. So for instance, with this being the VP of sales, talking about sales growth is a great way to back up your perspective. The last piece of this is to make sure you just don't leave the conversation open-ended. You want to make sure you've got a good read on what a, what a productive outcome looks like from their perspective. And so make a decision about that next step. The decision could be you saying, you know what, I've heard what you said. We're not changing anything, but I'm going to factor that in into some next step. Ultimately, just make it clear what decision was made so they can know what you're marching towards in terms of that next step. Oh man. Do you tell them no, but you're like explaining that the reason why they're so wrong. That's exactly right. You tell them no by listening closely. You then tell them no again. And then you say, and the decision is, is no, but we're moving forward. I I can't can't say I I get behind that, but I would enjoy watching it. So uh, if anybody wants to do that, please video it on and post it on TikTok and send us a link because we need to see that happening. I, I agree with Nick. The only things I want to add is it's important to keep in mind that your perspective and the board member's perspective are going to be very different. So, for example, you might see your VP of sales working really hard and doing the right things, whereas a board member is looking for results. They want to see predictable achievement of goals. And so you think the VP of sales is doing a good job because they're doing everything right in terms of the tactics, but the results are not following yet. The board member is looking at it and saying, your job is to produce predictable sales. You're not doing that. And so it could just be a different definition of what doing a good job is. And it's important to get to the bottom of that. At the same time, also keep in mind, sometimes board members ask questions like this as a test. So if you're the CEO, it might be obvious to the board member that you need a new VP of sales. And then bringing up with you as a test to see as a CEO, A, do you see that obvious thing that you should see? And B, are you willing to make the hard decisions about making a change? If the answer to either of those is no, very quickly, they might have a very different conversation with you where it's not the VP of sales that has to go, it's you that has to go. Um, I'm not saying that their test is correct or even worthwhile. So when this comes up, you have to fire your VP of sales in order to save yourself. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, I don't know if that was where I was going. But just keep in mind that sometimes what they're asking you is not always what they're asking you. And, and to Nick's point, getting to the bottom of it is really important. Um, although, actually, Ash, you brought up an interesting secondary question. Are there ever circumstances, because we're talking here about uh, replacing your VP of sales, can you, can you or have you ever seen a circumstance where you, the company needs to fire a board member 
Is that a thing that ever happens? Well, it's something I wish would happen, but no, it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Usually what happens, if you're going to leave a board, you're going to leave a board because something good has happened to the company and they have leverage to push you out mm. because you're going to make so much money in terms of your paper gains on this round uh, and markup that you're willing to step off. That's the usual mechanism of getting someone off the board uh, that I've seen. Interesting. And what, so what if there is, I mean, obviously there is extreme cases of wrongdoing where, where that would happen, but you read often Ash about sometimes venture funds that are caught up in scandals and, um, the company is trying to buy back the shares to get the person off their board. Do those, I've always read about them in the press. I've never been in, I've thankfully never been involved in such a toxic situation. Do those things work or are you really kind of stuck in the, in the moment? No, it's a marriage without divorce and a venture fund will happily sell back the shares if it doesn't think the company is doing well. But they will absolutely not do that if they think the company is going to make a return for them. It's just not going to happen. They'll blame mm. it on their LPs or other partners or whatever. And, you know, especially if they're in survival mode, they're not going to be suddenly having a, um, a moment of clarity in, 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 on ethics <laughs> and busy doing the right thing. No, that's, I've never seen that. And I've seen some interesting situations, for example, where an investor got a, a co-founder they knew didn't have the right to sign for an investment. They got them to sign for an investment and then called the rights that came with that investment many years later. It was a huge mm. drama. So, um, and that's, and yeah, I think it was to say that was unethical and deliberate, you know, uh, would not be the biggest of stretches. Uh, So I've never seen a situation where a board member would not be behaving for profit first, um, even in the face of a scandal. I, I do think that you might get, you might have more leverage in that moment if they were already moving off, but they're not going to sell the shares, they're more likely to say, I'll step off the board for PR reasons. Man, well, keep in mind, we're big fans of most investors, including Ash. And so this is not common behavior. These are sure that's exactly what the message is here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good times. Okay, I want to make sure we have time to get our our third question here. Nick, pull something off the question queue that has to do with board uh, management and let us know what it is. All right, let's do it. Here's a question from a founder. They asked, There was a big argument at our last board meeting between two major investors, and they disagree about what we should do. How do I make them both happy? Sean, do you want to kick things off? Oh, yeah. Let me jump in. So first off, I think this is one of my most important rules of board management. If you have more than one board member or more than one investor on your board, generally, they will not agree. And this is a good thing. This is not a bad thing. In fact, you want multiple points of view on every issue. And so having investors of different perspectives who disagree is a very good thing. It's healthy because it means any issue you see, you'll have more than one perspective to talk about. If your investors all kind of always agree on everything, either it means they're not really, they don't really care very much, or they're not putting a lot of critical thinking into these sorts of issues. Because if you think about it, like, or the if earliest- they're disagreeing with me, then they're wrong. Of course. Well, that that is that is granted and, and well understood. Um, I do think, though, that you want to make sure that arguments don't turn into to negative dynamics. You don't want that argument to be anything other than an intellectual debate about a specific topic that you can then, you know, put aside and then move on. You don't want it to become a dynamic where there's fighting and that same argument spills over to other issues and it becomes a long ongoing argument. That's a very negative board mechanic 
So after the board meeting, I would make sure I wouldn't try to make them happy. I would try to make sure I have one-on-one time with them to talk about the issue and just really make sure they have closed the book on it. That is not going to continue going on. Or if they still have strong feelings after the board meeting, after the argument's over, what's the root cause? Is it Are they really arguing about this topic? Is it something else? Maybe there was another deal that has nothing to do with your company where one of the investors won the deal and beat out the other investor and it kind of spills over. Because as I have said many times, sometimes these things have nothing to do with you. So make sure you get to that point that you understand these sorts of things. Um, because you don't want to be surprised. And by the way, your board members don't want to be surprised either. Sometimes arguments happen at board meetings because you surprise everyone. So just, you know, prep them ahead of time. Send out your board meeting materials as far in advance as possible. Make sure there's no surprises. And you do your best to make sure that everybody can act professionally. But Ash, you've seen much more colorful board meetings than I have apparently. <laughs> what are what are your lessons around arguments? And what is also related? I'd love to hear what the most interesting argument was that uh, that you've seen. Uh, you probably can't talk about that one unfortunately <laughs> people have figured it out uh, but yeah there's an awful lot of ridiculous things that board members say especially to founders in uh, really unhelpful scenarios a lot of the time and, and I think that has really made me realize that it's not a CEO or founder's job to make investors happy your job is to generate billions of dollars in revenue and if you do that everyone else should be happy and if they're not well I don't really care what their opinion is if two idiots want to get into a massive debate in person or on a Zoom call, don't try to pick a side. Don't you know get too involved in the fight. I think you want to shut it down before it becomes distracting to the meeting. And like Sean said, then you try and resolve it individually after the fact. And in that later discussion, don't try and get into the whys and wherefores of the actual argument. Just talk about the importance of keeping it civil and how there's junior people around the table and setting an example. I mean, everyone wants to be, you know, the authority figure and the picture of calm in that situation. So when that breaks and you point it out, they'll often feel a little bit of shame around it. But yeah, the main thing is you're, if some, if, if two board members, two investors are getting into it, it's not your job to make them happy. And it's also not your job to referee some fight between them either. That's fair. I I will say the funniest argument I ever had at a board meeting, and this actually did happen, was it wasn't part of one of the topics of the board meeting, but somehow the topic of sailing did come up, and um, one of the board members tried an enormous surprise, Sean. (laughs) And all this time you've been laughing about it, but here we are. Now tell tell us your truth, Sean. We were talking about sailing, and I I know nothing about sailing or boats, but they were trying Mm -hmm. to explain to me that. A, a, you, I was. I think at some point they were talking about their boat, and I, I referred to it as their yacht. And there was a big argument that developed about whether or not a boat could be defined as a yacht if it was shorter than forty feet long. Sounds and so I have boring. to say, it was the most <laughs> ludicrous argument I have ever heard. Because let's be honest, normal people don't argue about things like that. It just doesn't happen. That's correct, Sean. Normal people. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, well, the good news is so, the start of help desk because we can't see any normal people. They aren't here as far as the eye can see. <laughs> that's amazing. Right, so what's the, what's the upshot for this then? We're saying make them heard, make the meetings productive, make them money, not happy. That's the synopsis there. Oh, I would go even bigger than that. It, you cannot make other people in life happy. You, mm. can, you can put them in a position to make the choice to be happy. But if they want to be unhappy, if they want to be argumentative, 
you but you're a little bit earlier that. in your ending monologue, bud. <laughs> and that's what I've learned over 20 years of doing this, uh, blah, 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 blah. At 45, looking back. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Speaking of ending, we have two minutes left. It's time for the lightning round. Okay, each of you get, you know, 10 seconds to answer these questions. We have a few of them here. We will go in order, Nick, Ash, and then me if I have anything new to add. Lightning round started. First question, how often should I have board meetings? Nick. Quarterly, unless something really good or really bad is happening. Ash. I like quarterly and then a monthly call for an hour. Very good. I agree. Next question. Who should attend board meetings from my executive team? Nick. Whoever is critical to making decisions. And so if a decision is being made that will impact somebody's line of work, then making sure that executive team member is there is a great plan. Ash. I would just add that if you want someone presenting, it can sometimes be a reward or an opportunity for them to get feedback from other people. So like having your VP of product there to present a new feature is usually a good idea. Fair enough. My opinion, as few as possible. You want board meetings to be small. You don't want to be rolling in a whole circus full of people every time you're talking about important issues. Very good. Lots of knowledge on boards dropped. Some of it useful, some of it not. A few stories about yachts. You know, that's how we roll. Very good. Mm -hmm. Okay. As always, Ash and Nick, thank you for bestowing your knowledge about boards on all of us. Yeah, great time Thank you for the sailing anecdote, Sean. (laughs) Finally. Uh, He's going to use that against me in the future. I know it. Okay. Thank you for all of the questions. If you have questions, we would love to answer them in a future episode. Please submit them on our website, thestartofhelpdesk.com or on Twitter, X slash Elon's hobby as the start of HD. But for now, the start of help desk is closed. Good luck in building your business.